Hello, everybody. This is episode number 15 of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me, I have not spoken to him in a, in a hot minute, but we have spoken many times, especially in this capacity. My former co-host, KCOU Sports and Mediacom's very own, Jimmy Frouse. Jimmy, how are we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. And the first place we have to start, obviously, is the coronavirus. Uh, it has taken over really the world, especially the United States. Um, at this point in time where it is spreading and you go to the University of Missouri where they just canceled classes. Um, what is, so what specifically are they doing at Mizzou um, moving forward? Um, I know it's really been the rumor that classes were going to be canceled as other universities did cancel. Um, they're going to be online classes up until spring break. And then they plan on returning to face-to-face classes uh, the first day after spring break, which I think is like March 31st or something like that. It's crazy to see how everybody is reacting to this because, you know, we're seeing some universities say, hey, look, be prepared to be home after spring break for a while. Um, it's it's odd that Missouri with sporting events had said, we're going to go ahead and keep playing. I thought that was interesting because we saw the Ivy League today cancel all sports Throughout spring, I, I mean, I think the only sports that are eligible to keep competing are their football and basketball teams, and they said the schools are allowed to accept invites to the NCAA tournament if they wish to. So, I mean, we're really we're getting into some uncharted territory with the institutions, and then the NCAA tournaments. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here right now watching. I'm not sure if you have a TV on, but I'm watching Oklahoma State play Iowa State. In what might be one of the last sporting events that we might see for a long time with fans there. How weird has this been? I'm just crazy to think about that after tonight. Tonight could, you said it right, could very well be the last night. Um, I know in the Jazz game tonight, uh, the Jazz, I'm forgetting who they were about to play. Thunder. They were playing the Thunder, and they were held on the court. Um before they started and both teams were sent back to the locker room. And I believe that's still developing as we speak. Yeah. After Rudy Gobert decided to make a fool of himself and and touch everything in the press conference and then he's being quarantined. So yeah, the game was canceled just now. Yeah, man. I mean, this, this is crazy. And you know, that kind of gets us the baseball conversation about it. And I I was, you know, doing a little intro for for our show before I, I started talking to you and, the Nationals have just canceled their you know, celebration um, return to baseball on March 23rd as gatherings in D.C. of more than 1,000 people are now not allowed. And, and I mean, it's, this, is, this is one of the weirdest sports stories of our lifetimes. And I got to think it's, it's going to remain that way for a long time. Yeah, we're in unprecedented territory, um, really with humanity, because the last time you know, outbreaks like this haven't happened with the amount of social media coverage that we currently have. So every update after another is just going to create more, more panic, more hysteria. Um, and not to say that the all the precautions that are being taken now should not be taken, but it, it, social media has definitely played a role in sort of the fears and panics that are going on right now. I definitely agree. And and you're somebody who covers not only college sports, but also high school sports as well, too. Have you received any updates on how your coverage of those events is going to change? Have they asked you guys to do anything different? Have they asked you not to come? Or what are you hearing from 
covering at KCOU Sports and for Mediacom, you know, in the way you cover the sports? I have not heard anything from Mediacom yet. The last time that I covered a game was, what, what day was that? A couple of days ago, last week. Last week, yep. Last week on Thursday. And by then, it, it was a totally different scenario than it is now. The The fears were were much decreased back then than they are now. Um, we didn't even really talk about it. It wasn't even something to talk about. Oh, all of these people gathering in one place for the district championships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's just going to we're going to keep getting updates in the coming days. Um, I plan on staying here for the next couple of couple of weeks. I don't want to go home yet. I want to make sure everything's all right before I do uh, go back to Chicago. Yeah, and I guess that is we'll go there with the um, the conversation next. And I said you run down. We're just gonna flip things around a little bit here. But you know, your Chicago Cubs won a World Series, and I I'm trying to double double check. 2016, yes. Always forget what year it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to forget about it as much as possible. <laughs> but the Cubs win in 2016 World Series hangover. You know, what is a World Series? How did it change a Cubs fan base? And obviously, the circumstances were different. But D.C. was a hungry sports town as well, too. What, what did winning a title, how did it change the fan base? I mean, the second that you win a title, it's about winning the next one. At least that was the feeling in Chicago. Of course, there were the fans saying, like, oh, let's let's taper our expectations a little bit. We're, winning a World Series is difficult. But even in the week after, it was, let's go win another one next season. Uh, this feeling is too good. And that definitely gets transferred to the players. Uh, it, of course, got transferred to the manager. You could see uh, all of the pressure on Joe Madden constantly. You could feel the pressure on Joe Madden in Wrigley Field. Uh, and that, that, I think, was ultimately what led to his departure. If the Cubs, I don't think, ever won a World Series in 2016, I do believe that there was a higher chance that Joe Madden was still the manager. Because you look at that Cubs team, they, they underperformed, but... They, they weren't terrible. It's not a team that, like, struggled tremendously. But in minds of Cubs fans, the expectation became championships. And, and then winning 85 games, 87 games wasn't enough. Did you see the players? Do you think they began to feel that pressure? Do you, do you, you know, and, and really the big question is, do you think we could see that in D.C. this season? And you and I have talked some, and everybody I've talked to doesn't think so. But, you know, did you see that in, in the Cubs? And do you think we could see that with the Nationals? I mean, of course, players will start pressing once you don't win a stretch of games because then the fan base is not used to losing uh, as much as they used to be. I think one thing that can sort of fight off that hangover is a big change. And, of course, Nationals lose Rendon this offseason. And not being the favorites, quote-unquote favorites, to win it the next season – also can help fight off that World Series hangover. And by no means are the Nationals favorites to win the World Series this season. Uh, they weren't favorites to win it last season. And that's almost the best way to win a title is to do it as underdogs. Um, because there isn't really that pressure to win it again. You can go win it again without the expectations of actually winning it. And moving on now, you know, I sent you some of the lines for, for this season. Anything stick out to you so far as over-unders or odds to win divisions? You know, is anything really jump off to you as either appealing or, wow, this kind of is shocking? Uh, I'm going to keep it in the NL East. I like the Braves to win the division. I do think they are the most complete team. Uh, of course, they have the Mets and the 
and the Nats. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are plus 160. The Nationals plus 260. And then the Mets coming at plus 320. I just really think that the Braves, they have, I think, the most complete roster. And, you know, of course, the experience of winning a division down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the Braves at plus, what is it, two, 160. I think that's good value. And I think taking the Cubs and uh, the Cardinals to win the division is not a bad pick either. I think you can take both of those because I think it will come down to those two teams. And uh, either way, you'll be either pushing or making money, depending on how much you want to put on both of those sides. Uh, I don't think the Reds really are, are going to be that big of a threat. I know people love them this season. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my Cubs mentality that the Reds aren't really a threat. And the Brewers this year, they're, they're not as good as they were last year. But, of course, with Council, anything can happen. He's an unbelievable manager up in Milwaukee. But those are really – I think if you take the Cubs and the Cardinals, uh, I think you'd be at least breaking money, breaking even. And if the Cubs ended up do winning, you'd be getting that slight payday. Yeah, and the NL Central has been the division that we've – you know, when it comes down to gambling, I had Corbett Koslack on, your colleague, and, and you know – somebody who definitely studies this stuff pretty closely. I mean, he said, look, there, there is a chance four teams can win the division. I'm always skeptical of the new kids in the block. And, and so at plus 220, the Reds, that is just not good enough value for me for a team that's been nowhere near winning up before. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, to have better odds to win the division than the Chicago Cubs, who still have all of the talent there, it's just a question if they'll go back to the way that they played in 2016 with David Ross this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the Reds at plus 220 are good value at all. Um, and then we, we t- you know, I talked to, uh, um, when I talked to Zach Berman yesterday, it was funny. He told me, he said, I think the NL East t- comes down between the Mets and the Nats. And that's just crazy to me. Not that, that idea, but but the fact that it he could be right there. I mean, the NL East and the NL Central appear to be the two most competitive divisions in all of baseball and I think it's not that close and it's not really because there are that many great teams I don't think at least I I think it's because there are just not that many good teams uh there there aren't any good teams really in either division that you see having a better chance at taking taking a huge step forward this season uh, moving on, uh, moving back, I guess I should say to your Cubs. I sent you that list of top 100 players, and um, what Cubs guys stood out to you on the list? And as list as a whole, if you have any thoughts, you want to give it to me. I always love list season, right? Before any season begins in any sport, we always get a bunch of lists, and this one is no different here. Um, anybody on the list surprise you in terms of uh, <clears throat> where they show up? I was a little surprised at Anthony Rizzo at, at 56. Yeah, I mean, that's lower than I thought. Is that what you were going to go with, too? Lower? Like, as in he should have been higher? I mean, should have been, like, higher up the list, better ranked. Oh, I was, I was, I was actually the other, the other way. I, I thought right. he should have been a little bit lower. But, you know, you know it better than I do, so I'll defer to you on this one. Why were you surprised that he was at, at 56? I mean, he, he had his career year in batting average and on base percentage, and I think – He's been an unbelievable player his whole year. He In this list, he was ranked at 38 uh, the previous year. So, I mean, if if you have career years in batting average, I feel like you should move up a little higher. That is fair. Um, 
obviously headlining for the Cubs is Javi Baez at 21. Are you expecting that MVP caliber season from him? Uh, I think this is a big year because moving forward, I think the decision for the front office is Chris Bryant or Javi Baez. And most fans have been proudly exclaiming Javi Baez 100%. Uh, Chris Bryant comes in on this list at just 24. I mean, these two players are, are very close in ability to have MB, MVP caliber seasons. Uh, Chris Bryant hasn't been there. Uh, in the MVP caliber season conversation in a while, a couple of years. But, I mean, he still is able to do it. And this is a big year for Chris Bryant if he wants to remain a Chicago Cub uh, basically for the rest of his career because uh, it'll be either a lifetime contract for Chris Bryant or a lifetime contract for Javier Baez. And I think that uh, the front office is leaning toward Baez right now, but anything can really change in this season. It's really a prove-it year for both guys. How are you feeling about that entire situation as we edge closer um, towards the season? I mean, this is something that it's odd because Cubs fans have been in the Cubs organization has been staring it down the face now for a while. I mean, this is something that we've we've seen coming, right? Mm-hmm. And they they went through the arbitration. They got an extra year of service. Uh, there was a the whole conversation with Chris Bryant because the time they brought him up from the minors when he first came up to the big leagues. Uh, so they get that extra year on his contract, uh, extending to also next season. I think if things are not going well for the Chicago Cubs right around the trade deadline, it could they could make a big move and ship Chris Bryant somewhere off for the next year and a half and get just a complete haul back and then sign Javier Baez uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, it. It's definitely frustrating as a Cubs fan to see the front office basically say we don't have the money, uh, especially when you're a fan of a franchise where uh, tickets are just becoming expensive, more expensive by the day, um, and they have a completely new streaming service that, I mean, it's just not on, it's not on over 50% of televisions in Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like the Pac-12 network, honestly, it kind of to give you, you know, a a weird analogy. Um, when the dust settles, who is it going to be left? Who, which which man's going to be standing? You think um, a year from now, or I guess when the dust does settle, who is left? I think it'll be Javi Baez. Uh, his defensive ability. Chris Bryant is not the best third baseman. I think a lot of that get, gets lost with his play. He's not the best defensive third baseman. I actually like him better in the outfield than I do in the infield. Uh, but Javi Baez, combined with his defense, uh, his superstar sort of personality is also something when, you, when you're able to sign a superstar type of player for a long time. Chris Bryant, you know, he, he has the great smile, the, the good laugh, the nice personality. But Javi Baez sort of has that, I don't know, like, you're not going to beat me kind of mentality, the, the mentality of a winner. Not to say Chris Bryant doesn't, but Javier Baez just sort of so, shows it more. And I think that that's really going to stand out to the front office and make uh, Javier Baez uh, the more valuable cup. All right. Thank you for joining me tonight, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Thank you.